Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. We have finished up the fall of Hyperion today. That's that's what this episode is about. Um, Dan, first off, I have I have a bit of a hot take. I'm not sure if it's exactly a hot take, but I'll I'll, I'll explain it. Um, it's not super fantasy related, but I'm 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 gonna circle back and bring fantasy into it. Okay. Just uh, listeners, you can there's look at the show notes if you want to skip it. Okay. All right. This is I'm gonna challenge some um some conventional wisdom here. Ooh. Okay. And I think this is gonna be hot, but you tell me. Okay. When you go into a restaurant with a group of people, mm-hmm. and and the hostess or host is like, all right, do you want a booth or a table? Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone always selects booth. Yeah, because it's like almost, so comfortable. Almost unanimous. You get your own little private room to hang out in. No, 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 no. Booths. This is this is the hot take. I don't think booths are very good. Oh, Luke, this is insane. I think I I think there's definitely an argument for booths, but everyone just everyone goes booths automatically. Yeah. I think we need to I think we as a society need to wake up, be like booths aren't that great. We should give some thought into what we're gonna do. Here's here's the thing. Yeah, explain yourself, please. I know I know the argument for booths. You've got you've they're typically more cushioned, which Yeah, why, you're why, sitting why, on a why couch. are we not cushioning chairs? Why are we not cushioning chairs, by the way? That's 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 a separate yeah, that's point. a separate point. But also, you get you get a little bit more privacy. Mm-hmm. You can you can you can ball up your seven jackets and put it in the little corner. That's nice. So great. Yeah, yeah. But so not customizable. And this is the this is the issue. You're talking about the knee knocking issue. That, but but more importantly. The space between the 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 chair and the table is never good for me. Oh, really? Never a good distance. Yeah, I feel like it's always catering to to some to some big boys, and like I'm over here, I'm over here leaning forward because right, Luke's basically two dimensional. I've got like I'm doing like deadlift form over here, like making sure I I lift my fork with with my back straight because I'm gonna. I'm going to hurt my neck. Well, but I mean, okay, here's the beauty of a booth, though, Luke. Typically, they've got a pretty wide bench. So you don't, I mean, you don't have to recline like a Roman emperor while you consume, I don't know what you're eating at Taco Bell, but whatever you've ordered. It yeah, at but the I, Taco can't, Bell. I can't scooch up a little bit with my, with my chair, you, you know, I'm over here reaching forward way too far yeah but you it's just too much you just scoot up on the bench you just scoot up on the bench okay luke no there's never enough space oh my god plus plus i i want to be able to lean back okay i need back support this is my this is my issue i have to then bring a I have pillow to think of bring a pillow <laughs> and you can just put that behind you to give you a little bit or extra pick room a, or pick a table no 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 no. Well, luke. here's the other thing there's no there's no way to look cool in a booth dan this is how i'm going to bring it back into fantasy okay okay no way to look cool in a booth. Imagine the scene. You walk into the Prancing Pony. 
Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're looking around. Looking pretty intense. Everyone's having a good time. You look in the back corner and you see Strider and there's, in and a booth. Strider. And there's Strider reclining in a booth like an idiot. No, he looks dope. No, he's not in a booth. He looks, he's, he's, okay. In the real story, he's got, he's, he's, he's got his like cowl over his head, I think, in a table. He's, he's in the corner so that no one can sneak up on him. Uh-huh. Looks cool. How is that going in a booth? Okay. This is how it's going in a booth, Luke. In a booth, you've got your own little private room, okay? The back of a booth, in some restaurants, has like a little wall behind it. If you're sitting at a table, somebody, anybody could sneak up behind you and just, katsa, gotcha. Strider's no, down. No, no, in a no. No, see, Strider, Strider chooses the back corner, moves his chair a little bit so that no one can sneak up on him. In a booth, in a booth... Someone can someone can come over, look over that little look over that little wall, get a throwing knife. Can't even he can't even see it. Okay. Also, also, let's say you don't even have to sneak up on someone in a booth because Strider is over here, like reclining in this booth like one does. Yeah, so comfortable, you know? so right. Probably probably with his back, his his legs are are up on the booth. Yes, you know. Yeah, and his back's to the if wall. Someone, if someone wants to come up and attack him, yeah. What he's gonna? What he's gonna do? The little scoop move to get out of the booth? No, he's gonna jump yeah. up and use the booth bench as a springboard, front flip over them, and stab them in the I back. I don't see it. I I don't see it. I think he's doing a little scoot. He's looking dumb. He's unprepared. No, Luke. Because here's the thing: is it presents an image of relaxed confidence. It presents it, which is badass it in itself. I don't think. I think it. I. I think it creates an image of someone trying to look relaxed. It's like like you look you look like a, a high school kid trying to seem to seem nonchalant, even though everybody knows that every social situation is the most stressful thing for you. That's that's what that's what no, reclining in a booth looks no. like. All right, me. all right, all right. Let's play this scene out. Him at a table. Okay? Strider's at a table. It's in the very middle of the restaurant because that's where they put all the tables because Booths go on the walls. So you have waiters and waitresses constantly bumping into you accidentally. They're not, you know, they're doing just their best, but they're bumping into you as they're like trying to go through these two narrow of passageways to get through to other tables. You're constantly scooting your chair closer to the table to be like, oh, sorry, I'll make room for you. Let me just scoot up a little bit. And then on top of that, you said it at the beginning, chairs are never comfortable at restaurants. So sure, you might be getting the much needed back support that you want. But Strider's like fidgeting every five minutes because he's like trying to find a comfortable, cool looking pose. Don't. Then you you wait for a better table. Be like, if they're like, okay, the only table is this one in the middle. He's like, I'm going to wait for the one in the corner. There's no table in the corner. I don't think that's. I don't think that's a fair argument because my argument is we need to be replacing booths with tables. So you're saying the wall booth should be a table. Yeah. And that's why. Okay. I will give you this. The knee knocking in booths is too high. The foot touching and knee knocking is a little bit absurd because you can't. You're right. There's a little bit of you can't adjust them. So if you're sitting comfortably, your buddy over there decides to stretch out a little bit. Oh, you're touching feet. You're playing footsie a little bit. And that's a little uncomfortable when you're digging into your bon me or something. You don't want that. I'll give Am you I that. the only one that has issues with the spacing. Is that only me? I 
I love it. I love the safety I feel in a booth. I've got walls around me. Plus, but I feel like I feel like the booth is it's an illusion of safety though. Because anybody could be coming up I behind mean, you and you're not seeing it and just throw a little stab you from from above the wall. Look, I mean everything if we think about it is an illusion of safety, okay? When we come down to it, everything that we think is keeping us safe is just a kind of an illusion to make us feel better. But like it's nice. I want to feel comfortable when I'm eating. And if I think I'm safe in a, in a little booth house, I'm going to be just fine. I'm going to be just fine. Luke, here's the other reason why I think booths are way superior. Let's say you go out to eat with some buddies. And you're, you're super tight with your buddies. Nobody has any, like, problems getting a little cozy with each other. All right? If you try and bring over an extra chair to a table that is not going to fit that extra chair you've got somebody on the corner of the table just like no it's okay i'll take like six cubic inches of space on this table to eat a gigantic burger it's okay i'll figure it out i'll figure it out we don't want to have two tables if you got a booth if you got a booth you're just squeezing in there you're like oh we can fit we can fit 12 people at this booth this is a terrible argument No, no no you can fit so many people in a booth just squeeze in and then and it's horrible. No, 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 no. We love it. We love it. We love it. Because the best part about a booth then is you have the option to bring some chairs into the game. What if what if the dude in the middle wants to go potty? You do it before you get in. You get That's, locked into mm. that booth. You're not getting out. Exactly. It's terrible. I love it. It's safe. You can It's safe. Okay. I mean, this is this is going long. Let's let's agree to disagree. I I think I think we just need to we need to rethink a little bit. It shouldn't be an automatic booth selection. That's my main point. Okay? No, I I think you're very wrong. I think automatic booth selection it makes our choices easier and it's just better. Now, I will say this. You can't do an outside booth. Nowhere I've seen us ever had an outside booth. You can do an outside table. Mm-hmm. So we'll give them a point for adaptability because outside dining in the summer is just so sweet. So good. Yeah. So I would agree. With I that. mean, listeners, if you've got something for us on this debate, just tweet at us. Let us know what you think. If you've got some arguments that we didn't consider about why booths are better, I'd love to throw them at Luke. I'd love to bludgeon Luke with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 go into follow Papirian. Yes. We finished the book. So, oof. You know what? I'm going to say this. We have, we're not going to get to the reviews yet, but I'm going to say this before we get started. I think Dan did it. Okay. I think so too. I think he did it. I was into it. And I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Way to go, Dan. This is going to, this is going to be just a spoiler. This is going to be a largely positive review from your boy, Luke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't I'm not going to give my review away because I have integrity, but <laughs> Luke's been paid off by Dan Simmons. So... <laughs> For sure, for sure. Okay, Luke, we learn a lot about the ousters in this section, which I was so hype about, because mm-hmm. if you listen to our last episode, I was I really wanted to hear about these ousters. At, at what point is something not a person anymore? Mm, right, right, yeah. Like, at what, at what point is it a different species, you mean? Yeah. Because we're getting people with butterfly wings. Mm-hmm. And in the last one, we also heard about people that had like fur and scales. 
people don't just grow that. You have to like severely change somebody's whole zone to make them like this. When do we when do we start calling them something else? Uh, okay, I see I see your point. I just don't I think the ousters are too they're they're really on board with like diversity that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. They don't want to start labeling people. Because when you start labeling people, it starts to go downhill fast. What are you talking about, Luke? What are you talking about? This is insane. No. If there's like four varieties of squirrel and they look so different. No, no, no. Not even that. Not even that. If I'm looking at three things, one's a butterfly, one's a squirrel, and one's like a humpback whale. I'm not going to be like, you know what? For the sake of inclusiveness, we should call all of these things life beings i don't <laughs> so uh, okay i don't think that i don't think that's a fair comparison these humans look crazy they look so different from each other my my i'm wondering if they can change by choice i'm guessing that they can I, but like can they go back and forth mm. Ooh. okay i don't think they can just like by power of will because some of them right. are like specifically made to go on gas giants, we learn in the end. And so that sounds like they were modified to have this new characteristic. I don't know if they can be modified to have a different characteristic. If that's the case, then I think we could still call them humans. Right? There's some yes. base level of putty that we're working with that can be reshaped. And that base level of putty is the human part. That's that's my thought. I feel like it'd be pretty hard to go from butterfly in the sky to gas giant dwelling little little guy that you've got to be modified to like live in a. Well, maybe there's there's some inner there's some intermediate steps maybe, you know, like level one. That's gotta hurt though, right? I don't know. I mean, maybe you're maybe to be maybe you actually do the. The butterfly thing where you go into a cocoon, have a nice little nap. Okay, 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 okay. Then we get back to my original question. When can we stop calling these things humans? Because that's insane. <laughs> that's not what humans okay, do. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it seems, like, it seems like they should be... I don't know, maybe they're... I feel like they've just gotten rid of the designation of species almost where they're just like okay this large category is like our group but there's a lot of a lot of different offshoots of our group sure so maybe they're all part of the swarm right but they don't necessarily say okay you're a human you're a butterfree you're a diglet <laughs> all right that's exactly that's fair i agree with that the only reason i bring this up is uh the the console described them all as humans i think mm. at one point and it was like that's that word is being stretched quite a bit console yeah it's okay sure the console is just not very imaginative that's for sure true yeah i have a i have a good amount to say about the ousters um okay i'll go i'll go ahead and go into yeah. one other thing about the ousters yeah. we have we have our main introduction to them being when when the console is like playing the piano for everybody mm -hmm. 
and we see it through the eyes of uh i forget his name the governor general lane Theo lane yeah he comes in and sees this whole scene he's like oh they're listening to him play the piano and then at the end of their whatever introduction one of the one of the ousters comes up and is like is that mozart number seven it was really good fuck off dude you don't I feel like this scene is to make me be like, oh, the Ousters have really good culture. Just, Mozart is not the de- like it should not still be the only good culture thing. You know, you what? know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what pissed me off about that as well is the Ousters are set up as like separate. They like, you know, left behind the culture of old earth and they've moved on and evolved to something else. They shouldn't know Mozart. They should be like, oh, you should play something by our most beautiful musician ever that's created this thing that your mind couldn't even conceive of and transcends time and space. It's beautiful. You should play that next. Rather than being like, oh, I also am familiar with the old classics that, you know, old Earth had. Yes, good Mozart. Yeah, I. it seems like this is this part is just in there to be like, to essentially tell us that the ousters are are sophisticated i think so in our last series on hyperion we were very pro ouster and i wanted so bad to be very pro ouster here i'm still pro ouster and i think we still made the right call initially but i don't think they're nearly as cool as they're trying to be set up to be like the ousters have this river that we hear about that's supposed to show their power and this river like transports the people to this beautiful mountain that they have their discussion on you know who else has a fucking river the web and you know what their river does traverses time and space to like eight different planets that each have their own super cool ecosystem so like ousters you're not that different from the web okay i'm i'm gonna push back a little on this because their river is really cool yeah the river's really cool but it's a fucking river okay like sure the web's got a river that's not it doesn't go through like outer space yeah but the okay the ousters river is is just cooler and more innovative which i feel like is their whole thing all right all right all right cooler and more innovative is basically the ouster's slogan. Okay, but let's think about practicality. And this is on brand. Let's think about practicality, Luke. I'm in the Webb's River, and I'm like, hey, I'd love to go to a planet that's like 12 light years away. Let me just get in my little inner tube, float along for 30 minutes. Boom, I'm on Renaissance Vector. Great. Or? Or let's think about what the ouster's river does. No, no. Or you try to go to Renaissance Vector and the freaking core sends you to Death World number seven. Uh, yeah, the whole, that's yeah. the worst of the Death Worlds, too. That one's like <laughs> really bad. Everybody knows it. <laughs> okay, hold on. We've, we're on a, we're going to come back to this, but we need to briefly take a little detour. And the name of that detour is uh, Gladstone's Aid Lane. 
They're not Lane. I've got a, I've got a lot to say. Okay, about okay, this. okay. So then we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that and we'll come back to the Ouster River. Okay. Back to the Ouster River. Great. So there is the off chance that the web the core will send you somewhere else. Such a small chance that that's gonna happen. Almost zero. Okay? But if I'm in the Ouster River, it's like, couldn't we just fly there? We could just fly there. Meanwhile, we're in a fucking gondola going through space. It looks beautiful. This is so this is so inconsistent of you right now. Our last episode, you you ridiculed the console for taking the easy way out and going to the normal toilet instead of flying up and and doing a bombing run. I you're you're taking two different positions here, I think. Okay, I may be acting this up a little bit because I think they both have rivers and I think the Webbs River is cooler. Okay? You think the Webbs River is cooler? I do think the Webbs River is cooler because this river seems... Okay, I think when you put this river in context of everything else, the swarm is like 10 times better than the web. Like, sign me up for the swarm any day. But this river... Just a waste of resources. Just a, a big old waste of resources. Whereas the Webbs River, sure, there might be like floating trash in it. I imagine there's probably trash that's floating in the in the Webbs River. But so practical. I can't believe I can't believe you're going the practicality route on this. Just for the river, Luke. Just the river. This hurts me. This hurts me, Dan. I'll I'm gonna I'll I'll be the one to choose going rafting between galax or between solar systems. I mean it's Give me that one. Okay, alright, alright. Fine. Luke. <laughs> you can go on your little rafting excursion. I've got shit to do. So I'm taking this lazy river to get some funnel cake from Renaissance Vector. Okay, can we can we go to to Gladstone's aid really quickly. On old earth. Yeah. Okay. The first thing that I had was Severn gets, starts having the tuberculosis symptoms. Yes. And I think he's kind of being a dick. Severn to, is? Yeah. 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 To, for hunt, sure. to hunt at first because he's like, dude, it's fucking tuberculosis. Haven't you seen this? Are you, you, what are you, a Why fucking he idiot? <laughs> kind of a it's kind of a jerk move but and this is gonna this is gonna be this is gonna involve some profanity okay just a warning because i first thought that hunt who's that's that's the aide's name was like being unfairly unfairly made fun of by Severn. yeah but then i kind of i but then we i'm pretty sure that hunt is an idiot okay and here's Here's why. Okay. Why the fuck does Hunt not know what a horse looks like? What? Did he, How do you not know this? Did he not know or did he just was he just surprised by it? No, I don't think he knows what a horse looks like. Oh, okay. All right, let's think about Hunt's experience and why he wouldn't know what a horse looked like. Okay, go. I there's no way there's no way that Hunt should not know what a horse looks like. Okay. Let's say let's say you grew up in a time that horses are extinct. There's no horses. And let's say you're living in a city, the biggest city in the world, 
and you live your whole life there and you, you know, move up the political ladder. Your focus is on politics, spend your whole life doing that. And then suddenly you see a strange animal with hooves that you've never seen before. You're going to be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> no, also, there's I imagine, no way he hasn't seen. Here's the other thing. They definitely don't have a lot of animals in the web. Like, okay. the few like, animals that we see are really freaking weird. Okay, my point is, that's fair. My point is not that he has never seen a live horse, because that's true. Yeah. They're extinct. Yes. Which, first off, why the, why the fuck are horses extinct? Yeah. What, do they not have, like, grass and sunlight? <laughs> okay, ignoring that, um, you're telling me that horse or that hunt has never seen a picture of a horse okay yeah this is where i think it's absurd yeah you 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 live in a society that is obsessed with old earth yeah in the culture of old earth yeah and you are one of you are the top aide for the ceo yeah yeah who presumably you presumably have studied history a good amount you presumably have seen a movie before not even that luke not even that guess what gladstone's room is full <laughs> of old paintings from old earth right she has how many she has she has a van gogh in here You're t- she's got to have some old paintings with a horse in it. think of how many old paintings had horses on them right exactly like at least 60 percent had a horse in there somewhere <laughs> <laughs> and how many new how many movies are being made that are focused on a time period where horses are a big deal. You're telling me there is not a Western movie that's really popular? There's got to be a Western movie. There's got to be some, some, a remake of Troy. Okay, okay, know. okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I think is insane. This person, people in this time period are familiar with historical characters. People like Hitler. People like... Uh, she, she references Charlie Chaplin in his movies. Charlie Chaplin... You're telling me that these famous people are more famous than horses. You're telling me of all the human knowledge we kept, we were like Charlie Chaplin, Hitler, super important. The idea of horses, not (laughs) worth it. Put that in the recycling bin. Horses are out. This would be like, I've I've got two more things on this. This, the only thing that I can compare not knowing the image or what horses look like would be like if you knew someone that didn't know what dinosaurs look like. And even then, I feel like it's more likely to know what a horse looks like in this scenario. But picture yourself with one of your friends who is smart because Hunt is smart. Okay, so not like... You know, he's, he's like, he's the, aid, he's the top aide to the, to the leader of the hegemony. Yes. And all of a sudden, you see a picture of a dinosaur. I'm going to say picture because we're in the real world. And your friend goes, what is that? You're going to you're gonna be like, what the fuck do you mean, man? That's a dinosaur. Okay. Okay. It's worse than that, Luke. It's worse than that because there was nobody around to take pictures of or video of or paint actual dinosaurs. So every picture we have of a dinosaur 
could be fake. Like, they're just guessing what the dinosaurs look like based on their bones. Right, they could have feathers. We don't know. Right, and so maybe it, that does happen. Maybe I see a dinosaur in real life and it looks nothing like the pictures we've seen and I'm like, what the fuck is that? But we know exactly what horses look like. Huh? You know what horses look like. All right. Here's my only explanation. Here's my only explanation to this. This happens as soon as Hunt is disconnected from the data sphere. I think they just rely on it too much. So I think maybe if Hunt was connected to the data sphere, he'd be like, hmm, weird animal. Data sphere? Tell me what that animal is. But now he's unplugged. You know, he can't just check fucking Instagram to see what a horse is. So he's like, I know I should know what this thing is. But like, I don't know how to find that in, that information out. So, okay, sure. Keats, you're going to have to help me with this. Okay, one, one, last, one last thing on this. We, we know that they have had contact and basically eradicated other races that seem like they are intelligent. One of those races is called the Marsh Centaur. Do you think Lee is like, what the fuck is a centaur? <laughs> because he has no idea. Yeah, he's got to. Everyone's everyone's explaining this race that we that we killed as a marsh centaur, and Lee just is going through his life like, I don't. God, I hope I hope nobody ever asks me about what that is. Maybe if I just don't say anything about it, it'll go away. <laughs> this is crazy. And then and then to cap off Hunt being an idiot, a little bit later, he's trying to figure out if it's a if this is a simulation or a dream or something like that. And Severn is like, why don't you go kick that fucking rock, man? And he kicks it hard. You're, you're an idiot. Hunt. Also, Gladstone. Gladstone, talk to your boy. He's an idiot. Why did you hire him? Maybe she knew he was going to be. So we learn that Gladstone also seems to have kind of had a lot of things under control. For most of the time. Maybe she did know he was an idiot. And maybe that was her security. That the core wouldn't. Like be trying to influence him. Because he was just too dumb. For them to be able to manipulate. Gladstone was like. I need somebody. Who is just so thick skulled. That the core is not going to know. What to do with him. And so she chose. Huh. Okay. Because she was like, I could do all this by myself. I don't really need him. As we saw, she did fine without him. Oh, yeah. She, like, solved it. She basically did it. And Hunt's like, I gotta get back. She needs me. She needs me. Hunt, she doesn't. She does not. Yeah, she definitely does not need Hunt. That's fair. Um, okay, I'm since I, ha- I have a couple more things just from this this part. Yeah, let's stay there. The let's book. stay there. Okay. First, and this is something that we've talked about in the past, they have some meals here. This is like old Rome. They stay at this place. They're getting lunch or meals just show up. I'm going to say wasted to not to not talk about those a little bit, but that's because we're very into food. Right, right. And Dan is but not that into also, food. Right. But that also leads me to say almost the same thing that we did in episode one of this of this series 
The Ousters are, like I mentioned, their slogan is cooler and more innovative. And we don't, I want to know what their food is like. Yeah, I was really hoping we'd get a little, a little meal with the Ousters. And we, I mean, okay, we do. At the very end, they have a feast and Ousters are there. And I'm guessing the Ousters would be like, hey, we've got this sweet cuisine and everyone on Hyperion would be like thank you some ethnic food finally <laughs> right but there yeah. is there is like no description about this food and I was like Dan give us something give me something on the on their food it's got to be it's got to be wild it's got to be incredible I think Dan just couldn't conceive of it I think this is a fault of our author here because he's created the ousters as these people that are like not tied to past culture. And Dan, I'm pretty sure Dan grew up in the US and this seems to be a pretty clear metaphor to like our obsession with the past and like our obsession with Roman things and like, you know, all that kind of stuff, like Greek, things like that. So maybe Dan, as a member of the web, just couldn't even think of what the Mm -hmm. dope new foods would be. Right, which is fair. We all have our faults. We're all would have loved to see it though. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been okay. so good. Last, last thing that I have on this section is when when Severn dies, he's like, make sure to make sure to bury me in this really specific spot and do and and put this stuff on my gravestone. That's kind of that's kind of selfish. I'm gonna say he's being an asshole. Hans, how about no? You know what? No. Okay. I'm over here. I'm here because of you nursing you through this through this nonsense. I'm not going to go I'm not going to go carry you to whatever place you said and bury you. No, it doesn't matter. We also find out later that the cybrids when they die like erupt in a ball of flame because they try and do an autopsy on one of these fake ousters that the core has created and they just burn up and self-destruct. Mm-hmm. So, Hunt is burying this cybrid body that's just gonna be gone in like probably five minutes. Maybe I, I think this is Severin's playing a prank on him though. <laughs> I think he was just fucking with him. This is like the next level of the kick the rock thing. Yeah, he was like, "Let's see what other dumb shit I can get this guy to do." That was the thing that was like keeping him alive. It was just like this will be so funny. <laughs> oh, do I want to die? Like, write this shit in my gravestone. He's hoping that he just tries to use like a uh, a scalpel. Why would I go scalpel? A laser I scalpel. <laughs> I I also love how he was just like constantly telling him to write shit down that he said in his dying like last few hours. And I imagine some of that shit was like, "Hunt, I did your mom last week." <laughs> Hunt. My rhymes are strong and your body is weak. <laughs> Hun needs to stand up for himself. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm worried about Hunt, though. Do you mm-hmm. think that the Farcaster portal closed on Hunt because all the singularities were destroyed? Or do you think it just closed because the AIs were fucking with him? Because the last thing we see of Hunt is he goes into the middle of the Coliseum and there's this like slab there that he's like, this is a Farcaster portal. I know it. And he like basically 
destroys himself trying to run through it to so, get out. So, uh, yeah. So I think that the Farcaster just wasn't plugged in and he's like running at it, <laughs> trying to press the power button. It's like, dude, John, it's not plugged in, man. There's like a clear extension cord, like five feet away from it that's unplugged. But he's just so fixated on getting through. I think that's my theory. I think that's probably it. Mm-hmm. Based on the evidence in the book, that's definitely what happened. Speaking of evidence in the book, I've got a theory, Luke. Okay. I think the core AIs in this book are actually super weak. I think they're incredibly weak and just trying to survive because they know that the ousters are going to come just demolish them. I think this is the case for several reasons. I don't think Old Earth actually exists. Okay. I think it's a simulation. Uh, uh, hang on. Hunt kicked a rock. Yeah, but like, that doesn't tell you literally anything. <laughs> I know. All right. I think it was a simulation because I think these AIs are essentially, and here we're going to tie it into a repeating theme in the book. I think they're the Wizard of Oz. I think they're behind a curtain. And they have this great illusion that they're putting up in front of everyone because they want to seem powerful. But in reality, they're just a little old man trying to survive. In reality, it's they don't have any power. Here's why I think they don't have any power. Why did they need the web to move the death wand into Hyperion space? That's a good question. Like, they have ships. It's very clear they have ships. And it's very clear that they're powerful ships. They have a lot of ships. When they sent the force in to try and do an incursion, he said there were just more and more and more ships. So you put the death wand on one of those, have it do its thing. Okay. Here's the other thing. I think Old Earth was definitely destroyed. And they want to claim that they moved it because they're super powerful and they can do things like that. But Martin's story was the dying breath of Old Earth, and they, like, watched it crumble on itself. Like, people watched it collapse. Rome wouldn't exist if the Earth just, like, crumbled inward on itself slowly. Because it wasn't a quick process. It was, like, a slow collapsing of the planet in on itself. And, yeah, they claimed that that was just a byproduct of the Farcaster moving it. But, like it would not be in a very good state after you moved it. Here's the other thing. Yeah. I mean, because the scenes that we get are that it's in, like, pristine condition, which maybe they have some robots down there cleaning things up, preparing food, that kind of stuff. Right, right. Just like the androids that built the Poet City, right? Perhaps (laughs) those are there. Um, Because I think actually... And, I mean, the androids make a great natural ally to the core because the androids are basically slaves to people. So, of course, they'd be like, yeah, AIs will totally work with you. Um, The other thing, though, and this sort of contradicts my previous point, but not really. Uh, I don't think they actually were destroying that many worlds. I think they maybe destroyed a couple, but the only information that we have that they actually, like, blew up other planets was the data coming in. Because after they blew up the planet, okay. they destroyed the Singularity Cube so you couldn't get live data from people on the ground. 
and Gladstone was just getting reports near the end of like, oh, there's fire. Oh, they're destroying everything. I think those are the AIs sending that data. Yeah, maybe. Okay. The AIs were like, there's chaos here. Everybody's rioting. Ah! When in reality, everybody's fine. Everybody's like, I'm chilling. It's like they've got, they send some CGI videos of the world blowing up and that kind of thing, which is easy to do. Yep. Yep. We can basically do that now. Now, the one point in all of this that seems to go counter is that Father Dure has burns, terrible burns all over his body when he comes through the Farcaster into uh, TC squared from this laser that's just like hit the planet. Uh, Or is it a laser that's just hit the planet, Luke? There's two explanations to this. One is they had to actually have some ships to make it seem believable. Maybe not. Maybe they didn't have as many as they said, but maybe they had, you know, a few. The other explanation is, how does Father Dure get to TC squared? Farcaster. And what do the AIs control? The Farcaster. Yeah. Oh. Seemed like it'd be pretty so easy they're... to just put some burns on him as he came through. Okay. I... So I think I would say that the burns are real. Yeah. No, I think so. But they could but, do that while he was in transit in the far cast. Right. Okay. But but we also, I think we, they do have, like, he sees this happening. Sure. Sure he does. <laughs> Doesn't mean it is happening. <laughs> so you're, okay. So you're saying they, like, hacked into his comm log or something and are, like, disrupting his vision? Either they did that, which it's clear that they have very good control over people's brains. They mm-hmm. use them to compute stuff. Or they're doing cool hologram projections on the ground. That's not... Like it's a cool light show. Yeah, it's okay. a cool light show. But it's not... It's just... There's a man behind the curtain. It's not... Okay. It's not actually being destroyed. I can, I can agree with you on this. Yeah. I don't... Because also, I presume that they're... they're Data coming in showing like there's a ton of ships coming at this world. There's a ton of ships coming at this world. The AIs can change that. Maybe there's like three ships. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe maybe even the lasers are real and like two lasers per world or something. That's not yeah. that big a deal. Yeah. I mean, I, okay, I will say we get we get that one, that admiral guy that goes in and fights everybody. Mm-hmm. And they have like 75 ships or something to get destroyed. Okay. Here's the thing about that, though. Let's say they're creating, they're using holograms. Let's go with the hologram argument. If I, as a soldier, I'm trying to fight an army and I see a bunch of them, right? I'm going to just start, I'm going to pick one and shoot at it. But if there's a bunch of hologram people, I'm not going to be very effective, right? Mm. They're going to be way, they're going to need way fewer ships to take me out because I'm going to be distracted by all these fake ships around. So they're going to demolish me. I'm going to have no idea where fire is coming from. It's going to be a just terrible the other reason that i think that the core is super weak is there i think they wanted everyone to think they had it all planned out but i don't think they really did i think that was all just a ploy to seem powerful i think they're still trying to look powerful to the web and gladstone because essentially what happened was gladstone realized where the core was and then blew it up. 
But like, she talked about this plan with people before she did it. If I'm an, a super intelligent AI, like I know everything Gladstone is doing. I know every plan she's going to make before she makes it. And I'm just listening to her. I just like have the data for what she's saying. Right. I I was surprised by this. I was expect fully expecting this plan to just go up in flames considering there's no way that the AIs should not have known about this plan. Right. I don't I don't have a great answer for you there. I think I think I think you are onto something. Um also you don't have a you don't you guys don't have like a backup plan. Thank you. Think about the fact you can make you can build some ships, but you can't you can't build a couple supercomputers somewhere. Have a server that has all your AI brains on it. That's like just in case they find out where the core is, just in case we have this backup. Every yeah. Okay, this is just poor data management. Every single person who works with data on the computer is like you should really back that up. You mm-hmm. should really have a secondary storage where if something goes wrong, you can just pull it from the cloud and then you've got it. But they don't have that. Like, they also pose so many good places that the core could be. Like, oh, there's literally millions of worlds that it could exist on. And and we don't have time to search them all. Yeah, it should also exist on one of those. That's your backup. Exactly. I think they're weak. I don't think they're nearly as strong as they claim to be. I think they're just they're just smoke and mirrors, man. They're just a man okay. behind a curtain. Fair enough. I think okay. Their their best move that they made is is erasing our robot from the collective memory. Because there's no way anyone in this universe has seen iRobot or any movie about artificial intelligence gone wrong i'm sh- the AI- the ai's have to have deleted all those movies right because like what are we doing you you've got this meeting with the 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 main ai like ambassador and then some other new ai ambassador and they're like yeah the death wand it's totally gonna work not suspicious at all I'm a handsome dude. Just trust me on this one. My smile. We haven't tested marvelous. it out. Yeah, just go for it, you guys. I know it, it's gonna. It's not gonna get you in the labyrinth. Pretty sure. Pretty sure about that. Hey, you guys remember those Farcasters we made? This is like Farcaster 2.0. <laughs> no one is questioning this. To be fair. To be fair. I think literally every advisor is like, I don't think we should do this. And Gladstone's like, no, we're doing it. Okay, true. Yeah, that's kind of true. But they're not, their protests are not on the grounds that <laughs> these people should not be trusted. Their protests are like, this is kind of immoral. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. See, Luke? See what I'm saying, though, about these AIs? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I'm on board with you there. I think they're weak. I think they're just pulling the wool over our eyes. Okay, but also, we have a case of extremely incompetent leadership here. Because Gladstone's like, yeah, let's send out the death wand. And then she actually sends out the death wand 
to Hyperion. Why? <laughs> you just did that to look cool. You didn't need to do it. You could have just told them yes. And then be like, dude, put that somewhere where we will never find it. Like bury that somewhere. Right. Find a planet nobody's on. Take it there. Yeah. Yeah, this was, she's, there's, there's, you're right. There's no reason about that. I didn't think about that. The, the, I was thinking about this a lot because it seemed like a super risky move. Like what if it didn't go right and it actually did end up in Hyperion? Like that's pretty bad. But maybe she was concerned that there was like a fail safe. She was concerned that it would go off if she didn't send it. And from what it sounded like, a lot of planets were in the radius of the death wand and so if they just if the ai's got suspicious they would just set it off wherever it was and just kill everybody yeah but like ai's you can just if that happens just the ai's can just take control of the ship and send it through the farcaster can they not if they're actually powerful like if they're actually a real ai that's super intelligent yeah, they should be able to do that, probably. I don't get it. You know what the crazy... Okay, last thing about these AIs, because we gotta move on. The craziest thing about this, we destroy all the AIs. We blow up the Farcaster network. Then we learn that all the Force ships have their own AIs on board. The console ship has the finest AI in all of the hegemony on board. What are you doing?! <laughs> Once you figured out what happened, you ditch those. You throw those overboard. Those are not welcome anymore. Right. Are those just AIs that haven't met the bad AIs? What's going no, on? No, they've there? got to. They're in the data sphere, right? And the data sphere I see is like a Wi-Fi for the galaxy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Of course they've met the core AIs. The core AIs were just kind of dicks to him or something? Oh, maybe? maybe they bullied him. That's my that's my guess. Okay. They were bullied a little and bit. And so they were kind of rooting for the the humans. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that's a great explanation. I'm I'm satisfied with that. Alright. Down to down to the characters. Yes. The one that I want to talk about is Sol Weintraub. Yes. He gives his daughter to the Shrike, finally. He's like, Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't because the Shrike was asking for it. It's because she was. That was a dream, man. You've also been having the dream where the Shrike has told you to give. Like what why you're trusting this dream a lot. People in this book, maybe they don't know what dreams are. <laughs> because everybody is so on board with their dreams being prophetic visions. What are you doing? Yesterday, I had a dream that I put on a cape, a blue cape, and called myself Manta Man. And was a manta ray crime-fighting hero <laughs> in Minneapolis. Okay? You know what that doesn't mean? That I should go buy a fucking blue cape and run around the city I'm, at night. I'm, I'm going to disagree with that one. <laughs> no, it's absurd! And it felt, here's the thing that they use as their justification every time. It felt so real. Yeah, that's a dream. 
Mm-hmm. That's how a dream works. They feel so real. They do. They do. Uh, it's so... <sighs> yeah, I thought that was freaking bullshit. I think he was just justifying <laughs> to himself why he gave his daughter to this sharp thing. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's just... I mean, it worked out in the end, I guess. But maybe? Maybe. I don't okay. know if it would have changed anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, don't I don't know if it would have changed a single thing. Because what happened was Severin saw the Shrike taking the baby and was like, oh, can't let that happen. And so Severin's grabbed the baby but couldn't go anywhere and was like, I'll wait for somebody to come help us out. And then Rachel came back through the portal and was like, I'll get the baby and take it back to my dad. Do you think she yeah, was like... Yeah, nothing happened to the baby. No. Right? No. It basically just went to zero and then started going up again. Yeah. Do you think Rachel... Which I'm going to say, we were, we've, we've been spot on for this, by the way. I know. We've been saying this the whole freaking time. I'll bet Rachel was like... Rachel came out of the portal and she saw Severin's with the baby and was like, oh, he did it. He gave it to the Shrike. God, dad, come on. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. She was like a little disappointed with it. She was yeah, like, Dad, a little bit. you could have just held on to it. I would have been there in like literally two minutes. <laughs> um, okay. Talking about this. How weird do you think it was when we figure out that Rachel is Moneta? Okay. I do want to then... say, before we go, I do want to say, called shot. If you listen to our Hyperion episodes, we propose this as a possible... Oh, did we? We did. That's a called shot. Okay. Okay. I think good you stop. did actually. So good on you. Oh, nice. Killing it. Um, but then we also, but then we also ruled it out. And do you know why we ruled it out? <laughs> what? We ruled it out because Rachel is famous. Rachel's the one girl aging backwards. Mm-hmm. And Kassad doesn't know what this girl, what this person looks like. That's true. Okay. That's why we ruled it out. So, Kassad just doesn't get just doesn't get online much. Okay, but here's the other problem. Soul probably has a picture of Rachel. Soul's telling his story about his daughter that he loves very much as a prop, as a, you know, a thing that you could do to help with the storytelling. Oh, this is what Rachel looked like. I mean, okay, maybe he did do that. Maybe he did. Okay, yeah, go. Yeah, okay, here it is. <laughs> He does this, and Kassad's like, oh, shit, that's the girl that I just bragged about. Because <laughs> this is going to be my next point, that Sol just listened to Kassad brag for a couple hours about banging his daughter. <laughs> Across time and space for, like, years. You think, so he's he's raising Rachel. Yeah. The new Rachel that's going to be Moneta. You think he's subtly being like, hey, you shouldn't. I knew, I knew this one guy. You totally shouldn't date people like him. His name was Kassad, total asshole. <laughs> He's gotta be. He's gotta be. The other thing, and this will be really brief. Why did we need Kassad? I don't think we needed him. I'm gonna say this might be a hot take. I'm gonna say he was useless. I didn't. I'm. I'm not sure what exactly happened with the strikes situation. So he. Fought the Shrike for a while, was getting wrecked, and then Moneta took him to the future where there were a bunch of Shrikes. 
and he sees this army and is like, come on, everybody, let's fight the Shrikes. And they're like, yeah, we were going to do that anyway, but cool, you're the warrior we've been waiting for. And then he kills one Shrike. One? There's like thousands of Shrikes, Kassad. Mm-hmm. You're saying one made the difference? There's no uh, way. Yeah, I didn't quite, I wasn't sure if that was like the main Shrike, if there's just another one of the Shrikes. But, because originally I thought that that was maybe the Shrike that was in their time, but the problem is the Shrike shows up later again. Right, right. So yeah, I I agree with you. I don't, maybe it was just like they needed that speech. Yeah, they really need a pick-me-up, a pep talk. <laughs> they were like, these pointy guys look a little scary. I'm going to need some, I'm going to need some motivation. Okay, yeah, I mean... It's a small role. It's a small he had a, role. I'll give you He that. had a small role. Maybe we're not getting it. Maybe I just didn't get it. But I was just, I didn't, I wasn't sold by Kassad. Fair enough. Um, one thing that I did really like is something that I was worried about last episode, which is I was worried that there wasn't going to be a good explanation for the crosses, the little parasites. Oh, yes. Yes. Loved the explanation for that. I was into it. Yeah, we got a great um, explanation for that. Um, I mean, the only weird thing about it was like, it kind of it makes you dumber. And I thought that they needed people's brains. Uh, okay, you know what? They did explain that well. I'm into it. Good job with the cruciforms. That was something mm-hmm. that I feel like this ending really delivered on was like tying up a lot of the loose ends. And I think they were tied up super satisfying, like in a super satisfying way. They Yeah, they were. Most of them were. Some of them, they were tied up in a way that I was like not a little unsure about, but the rest of them were tied up in such a way that I was just like, that was good too. Okay, th- okay, that's, uh, that's going to be getting yeah, too yeah, much yeah. Into, into reviews. Um, okay, I have, I have something for, the rest of my stuff is for the, the epilogue. Yes, okay, that's what I have left too. Okay. I'm going to say being on time debt for the rebuild is kind of cheating. What do you, you mean? You know what I mean? What do you mean? So you've got, you've got a bunch of people that are cut off and they're going to fly back and just probably just go in stasis and they're going to be on their ships in stasis for like a year of their time. They're going to get back and it's been like, I don't know, five, 10 years of their world. So they get to skip all the all the the bs rebuild stuff that's a that's pretty lucky that's ridiculous well because you know you know the dad who was off or the mom who was off at work one day when the farcasters went down their first thought was like oh no i need to get back and then they see the chaos around them are like oh i definitely need to get back oh boy i need to be on one of those ships now i don't want to be i don't have to do this no i don't want to build I don't want to be a farmer. There's got to be, there's got to be some people that after this happens, get on a ship and just do a little loop. <laughs> they're like in, they're like on the planet that they're supposed to be on, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Honey, I've got to go find our kid. I've got to go meet him halfway." And she's like, "What? Like they're? <laughs> what do you mean meet them halfway?" He's like, "I can't explain. I just I had a dream." that I met them halfway through space and then I saved them and I brought them back home safe. I got to go. 
And she's like, yeah, I have to learn how to agriculture and you're just going to go. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got to. I'll see you later. And yeah, they just orbit the planet for like 10 years. Or they just jump out into the middle of nowhere and jump back. Yeah, that's got to be the move. Got to be the move. Yeah, that's absurd. That shouldn't be allowed. Everybody should have to stay where they are for like at least a year. You've got to get things running before you just jet off. Oh, yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Okay, my my other thing is that we have the 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 time tombs mm-hmm. are kind of a touristy thing now, right? Well, always, but still. R- right, they always have been, but probably even more so now because it's safe ish. But they they each they each do certain things. So like the the Sphinx has a door that will take some people to this far future. Only a few people. Like it says they don't know who why who it chooses and why, but one out of every, I don't know, a thousand people it takes to the future. Yes. And going through this door is now a little tourist attraction thing. You that's can you imagine being on a family vacation to the time tombs and you go up to this door and you're like oh kids kids let's try and see who can go through the door all right little timmy you go first timmy goes up to it goes right through and you're like oh uh wait hold on okay wait let me try and it just like nope you're not going through and then nobody else in your family goes through and you're like well how are we explaining this to our neighbors yep timmy's gone it would be like it would be like if when you went to Disneyland and you went to the sword in the stone thing, it wasn't just a sword that was like super glued into a rock. Occasionally somebody actually pulled the sword out and became the king. You wouldn't just go do that on a family vacation. You wouldn't be like, let's see which of one of us is going to be the king now and have their lives completely thrown into chaos. Right. Like, no. Yeah, well, and people are trying all of them as a tourist thing. Yeah. And some of them, they don't even know what they do. But people are still like, I want to go through that portal. <sighs> Here's the other thing about the epilogue. They're having a party. And Lamia mentions that she's drunk. And she has to take her anti-alcohol pills because of the fetus. <laughs> Why? Do those exist? Hey, I've got an idea. I've got an idea. Here's how we prevent your fetus from getting fetal alcohol syndrome. Don't drink. <laughs> yeah, we already have a solution. For we this. don't need a pill you can take so you can get hammered with your bros. Like, why? Why do you need to get hammered with your bros while you're pregnant? Also, we have very limited resources. <laughs> And you're using anti-alcohol pills that could probably be used to synthesize other life-saving medicine. Maybe it's a precursor to another important drug. And you're like, ah, the console's leaving tomorrow. I'm trying to get fucked up. I don't want this baby to be hurt by it. Give me those pills. It's irresponsible. It is irresponsible. Yeah. That's fair. Um... I don't know. I can see it being 
I can see it being a thing. Oh, super convenient. Like I'm there's if if that if that kind of technology is possible, there's no way it doesn't happen. Sure. Sure. Like Pfizer or something is going to make a killing off of this. But like why? Why would I be like I can spend $600 for an anti-alcohol pill so that my baby doesn't get Okay, yeah. FAS. If it's expensive, then no. It's got to be but... expensive. They're not just giving these things out. What's the market like for it? You've got a very small number of people who would want it. The price is going to be so high. Right, because they're, they're probably catering to like pretty rich people for this. Yeah, for sure. But worth it. Okay. Um, that's the that's all that I have. Uh, yeah, that's all that I have before our review. Okay, you go ahead and start us off with your review, Luke. Okay. I was super into it. As mentioned at the beginning of this in my spoiler. Very into the book. Very into the ending. A lot of loose ends tied up. I really appreciated the little the little singing thing at the end because it was very similar to the the ending of the of Hyperion. Yeah, the first it tied one. it in so well. Yeah, loved it. Um, there were there were a few things that we've mentioned, like the the AI kind of being weird, um, but that didn't really bother me very much. Um, I. I would say I will say I loved. We talked about it a little bit. Loved the description of the Alsters. Their their swarm and everything. I know I know Dan had some criticisms, but I was a fan. I would have liked that to be I would have liked us to be able to explore Alster culture a little bit more, which maybe that happens in the next books. But um other than that, I don't know. Big fan of it. Yeah, Luke. I this is okay. I'm going to say this series, Hyperion and Fall of Hyperion, is top three for me. Okay. I You say this every time. It, it bumped a lot of things out. Okay. Okay. I was considering actually saying that this is my favorite thing that we've read so far. I'm like close. I'm so close to saying that I prefer Hyperion and Fall of Hyperion to The Lies of Lacklamora. Wow. But I don't want to take that strong of a stance. Okay. Like, ah, you know what? Fuck it. This is my favorite. This is my favorite series we've read. Really? This book, the the climax was incredible. In this book, we built to something that was so incredible and exciting. And I felt like it was supposed to end in the middle. We were at the middle of the book and I was like, oh, it's going to be ending soon. No. There was way more crazy stuff to happen. It was touching. There was these beautiful emotional moments that happened throughout the book. The characters were incredible. I loved like all of them. I found something to like about all of them. And they were all super complex and nuanced. The even the things that were like sci-fi BS, like where the where the core was was in between the farcasters that I was like, I don't really know exactly what this is. Like I don't really get what what that kind of space looks like, I still was like, you know, I can kind of picture it and it makes sense and it's really cool. And it's just like, it really ties everything together so well. I think it's great. The prose was incredible. The weird combination of like poetry and sci-fi was really cool. I'm a huge fan of this series. I love it. All right. 
Oh, I should also say, I'm definitely Team Auster. Okay? I had that one criticism. The Ousters are so freaking cool. Okay? okay? I just want that to be on the record. Ousters are great. Oh, also, I should... Before we wrap this up, one other called shot is we were like, I'll bet the Ousters have their own kind of prophecy about what's going to happen. And it's related to empathy. And we get a little glimpse that they do have their own prophecies. They do have their own little mythology about Hyperion. We don't get a lot of details about it, so I don't think we we called that super close, but I think we we knew kind of what was going to go on there. We had an mm-hmm. idea. I will say the 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 god thing kind of wasn't tied in the way I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like I actually had a note where there were there were pretty strong hints that Severn was the god. Yes, the the empathy mm-hmm. thing, um, and then it basically says that he is going to be. And my note for this was like, this would have been a much cooler reveal if they hadn't hinted at it so much. Right. But right. But then he would just wasn't, and then the god wasn't actually wasn't actually that involved in the story. Which maybe that's setting up. Maybe that's in the next series. Yeah, potentially. But I, I was expecting I was expecting more of a more of a tie-in from that. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. I just right wasn't what I expected. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't care. I loved it. <laughs> I thought there was okay. I I saw much more tie-ins. I think with like Bronze Child being the person that they're waiting for, and a lot of like biblical allusion to John the Baptist, which is really cool. I thought it was super cool, um, but yeah, it was definitely unexpected. I was expecting him to be the god too, and in a way, he like right. did a lot of those things that I would have expected him yeah. to do. But anyway, yeah, love the book, great book, Dan. Your other shit, we're not super excited about, but <laughs> Hyperion and Fall of Hyperion knocked it out of the park. So good, for sure, for sure. Okay, let's. So next book for all of our listeners, we are going to be going back into fantasy. We're going to be reading Jade City by Fonda Lee for the next series. We'll probably get a third of the way through. So get excited, get get amped up, and get ready for some hot takes and some dumb nerds. (laughs) 